for me, the most important thing that the client needs to know and kind of um, has to feel is things are okay. I am in good hands. Let's build this thing. Hello and welcome to the second episode of third season of Hackcast. Today we are going to talk about how we at Hacksoft price our projects. It's me, Ivo, and it's me, Rado. Yeah. Could you tell us more about <laughs> our current YouTube goal? <laughs> we have a goal to reach 1,000 uh, subscribers. Yep. Uh, and as soon as we, we do this, we are going to have a giveaway. Yeah. It is going to be the latest and greatest DAS keyboard. Yes. Whatever, whatever it is. Okay, so I think right now it's 6 Pro. Something like this. Okay. It looks really good, yeah. We are soon going to order it so we can show it and have more motivation. But yeah, we are going for a 1,000 subscribers. And once we get there, we are going to pick one from those 1,000 subscribers. So yeah, Season 3, Episode 2, What's Hacks of Pricing Strategy? Today, we're going to talk about money. Money. Yeah, money is an important thing, and uh, it's important to talk how we how we actually price things and how we work with clients in financial terms, mm -hmm. because I think this is going to be an interesting topic for uh, for quite a lot of folks, uh, and uh, I believe for our future clients too. Sure. So if we have to do an overview, what's our pricing strategy? We have three three main uh, ways of pricing things. So. Yeah. So first thing we do, uh, w one of the three uh, pricing models. Uh, uh, is of course fixed pricing for a given project. All right. Which is the fixed pricing model as we call it. Yeah. So the second thing we do is um, uh, fixed price for a team. Per month. Per month, meaning that this whole team, whatever we decide, yeah. is going to cost that much per month for yeah. this project. And of course we have support deals where we have ongoing supports month by month for yeah. projects that are already out there and kind of done. Yeah, so those are basically the only three ways that we do pricing at Hacksoft. It's either we're going to give our clients a final price, which yeah. is a fixed one, or we're going to form a team internally, mm -hmm. like not for the client in an outstaffing manner, but we're going to form a team internally based on the project and this team is going to have a fixed monthly fee. Yes. Or we do, as you said, support deals, support monthly retainer and we have to figure out what's included in, in that specific support deal. Yeah. And we will get to hourly pricing at the end, but mm -hmm. before we get there, let's break down the three one by one and give more detail and give more context. Starting with the fixed pricing per project. Yeah. Fixed pricing is client going to us saying, hey, I want to do this project. I have a pretty good understanding of what needs to be done or, yep. or the project is some kind smaller in terms of size. And we can just break it down a little, do some, some math and say, okay, this project is going to be done in, let's say, six months and this is going to cost you X amount of money. Yeah. And that way we take the risk of project going longer or being way more complex than it looks like. Yeah. But uh, we can give final price with final uh, time, time period to do yeah. the project. Yeah, you mentioned risk. We were going to also discuss the risk distribution because this is also important. Yeah. Uh, important thing to consider. So yeah, a client comes and has uh, good requirements, let's say, or has a clear idea what wants to be built and what wants to be achieved. Then uh, we can approach this client and think about the project and give one final price, yes. which I think is the best case scenario for the client because the client will know from the very beginning how much this thing is going to cost. 
Because otherwise, if we say, yeah, let's form a team and we're going to bill you month by month and we're going to work as long as needed, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you basically don't know, if you don't know how longer how long we're going to work, you don't mm -hmm. know how much it's going to cost. Mm -hmm. And there, are, of course, there are projects that require this kind of approach, but what we usually do whenever a new client comes is to figure out if this is a good fit for a fixed project or if this is a good fit for a let's build a team and let's start working together, establishing a long-form relationship. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, this is part of the job that we do and it's part of the skill that we develop. But what we do no matter what is we try to start with the discovery phase. Like this is this is us talking to the client, asking questions, uh, figuring out the details, figuring out the requirements, figuring out if the thing that the the client wants is actually the thing that the client needs. Mm -hmm. And this can take some time. And usually, this discovery phase. Sometimes we do it for free. Like sometimes we just initiate a conversation, and it can take a couple of weeks. But if we think that it's going to take some more time because the client has some vague uh, requirements and we need to work on the requirements, then uh, we can give a fixed price for the discovery phase with the final goal of having a better and clear idea what needs to be done and what needs to be built. And if we get there, like for me, for example, if we end up with a good requirements and good description and some kind of wireframes or Figma, mm -hmm. it's really good. It's really hard to start working with just a couple of sentences yeah. without any visuals, without any, uh, without any idea, because then it's going to we are going to figure everything out during software development, which is for sure more expensive for the client. Yeah. And that's why we start with a discovery phase. And during that this discovery phase, it's clearing out requirements. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of diagrams, we do a lot of wireframes. And we do a lot of questions and answers and keeping track of all questions and all answers. And while we're doing all of this, we compile a final document that's going to be like the specification and requirements for at least the initial development that we're going to do with text, with diagrams, with wireframes. True. So the output of this work is once again a document full of diagrams, yes. descriptions, designs, mockups, wireframes, whatever. Everything in one place telling what the project needs to be at yep. the end. And, and the best thing about this is you're still not like committed to Hacksoft. While we, we do the, the discovery phase, you can then take the result, have much, much better requirements, and then go shopping around for someone else to, to build the software if you want to do this. Mm -hmm. And we've done this with clients and it works pretty well. Usually the clients are pretty happy with the output and they want to continue working with yeah. us. And then once we are done with the discovery phase and like uh, opening a parenthesis here, there, there's, there can be multiple discovery phases like first phase, second phase, third phase, depending on the complexity of the project. Mm -hmm. Once we are done with the discovery phase, we can then have a better judgment and evaluation if we want to do a fixed project or this thing is going to require a team on an ongoing basis and like work for years. Mm -hmm. And usually after the discovery phase, it's a good idea to do a fixed initial release. Yeah. Meaning, okay, we have a better idea what we want to build. Let's 
pick from this the minimum viable product, something that we're going to do as an initial release, and build it, and we're going to give you a fixed price so we can build it. And once we get there, then we can start talking about forming a team and establishing a longer, longer relationship. But the thing is, fixed when we give a fixed price, the risk is on our end. And you, you mentioned this, why the risk is on our end. Because the project may may become way more complex or th there, yeah. there may be a lot of hidden features, things that we didn't think at first. Yeah. And basically all the risk of, uh, let's say, uh, poor technical decisions or let's say the client is gone for, for two months because of a vacation or something, it's still on our end. Yes. And the thing is, again, th this is why it's good for the client. And since we don't want to like do bad relationships because we have we've just uh, given a fixed price without thinking things through, that's mm -hmm. why we start with the discovery phase and try to get better requirements and then perhaps do an initial release that's going to be fixed price because then again the client knows so far what the price is going to be and with the initial release the client can have a product that he or she can use or test. And then we come to the uh, engagement where we form a team internally. This team has a monthly fee. Yeah. And we start working on an ongoing basis. Like we work as long as we need to work. So what are the details of us forming a team? How does this look like internally? Yeah, well, well when we are looking when we are doing the discovery phase we ask a lot of questions like what 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 is this going to be how is this going to work and sometimes the answer is just i don't know we need to speak yeah. to clients we need to release something first get some users ongoing get some feedback and take decisions after this which is normally the case in projects that are starting from scratch and don't really have a good vision of what exactly we need to be in yep. let's say six months so that did this is the situation where we start to form a team and normally the team starts really small and then grows yep. and grows and grows because more and more work appears so it always starts with a technical team lead yes the person that is responsible for the client communication internal technical decisions that needs to be made and working with the exact tech team in order to ship the features yes deliver the software and then, of course, depending on the um, um, software stack we choose or the, yeah. the requirement, is it going to be a mobile app? Is it going to be a desktop software? Maybe both. How we are going to approach the problem with all the information that we have up to now? Mm. We decide what team we need for start. Probably two full-stack developers, one backend, one for It really depends on the project. And this is how we form the, the first initial team. And then yes. whenever this team starts to work with, of course, work it comes more and more work because more, more, more and more potential for yep. doing features and improvements. And if the client is actually onboarding clients to this piece of software, then we basically have a huge backlog full of things that we would like to tackle. So it's a great opportunity to add more and more people to the team. Yes. But we normally start, start small. Yeah. It's rarely a situation where we can start with a huge team from the beginning. It doesn't really make sense. Uh, unless unless uh, a client comes with like uh, they have they already have a software mm -hmm. and uh, there are already pain points and we need to uh, take an emergency care of everything then perhaps it it makes better sense to onboard more people so we can uh, tackle more things uh, from the very beginning. But if we're talking about brand new projects, greenfield projects, this team usually f forms uh, even during the discovery phase and during the initial the initial fixed phase. Mm -hmm. I, I would say because uh, 
it's really hard to know what your project is going to look like in six months. And it's really hard to know what your project is going to look like in two years. And sure. usually you know that this thing is going to take five years to from, from start to beginning with a lot of iterations, with a lot of changes. And you don't want to waste any more time in... Um, discussing requirements beforehand so we can give you a final price because this is good for the beginning but if you have to do this every single month then this becomes an overhead yeah. and uh, it's better to know okay let's 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 form you a team that's going to take care of everything and let's establish our way of building software and our way of communicating and things will happen so for me this is this is the 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 point where we need to stop thinking about fixed projects and we need to start thinking about ongoing relationship forming a good team internally with the technical team leads up front which is going to do uh, the technical team lead does the communicate communication and is also a senior developer who manages the rest of the team uh, internally and once we get there the for me the most important thing that the client needs to know and kind of um, has to feel is things are okay i am in good hands let's build this thing the client should not worry about oh requirements oh uh, let's uh, negotiate on the fixed price oh uh, what we're going to do next the client needs to know that once we start working and once we start establishing good rhythm and once we start establishing synergies inside the team, things will only get better and software will get shipped. And for me, this is the difference between doing fixed projects and uh, doing ongoing relationships with clients. Of course, there are projects that are smaller in scope. And we can just do it fixed. Yeah, That's fine. Always. But usually our the clients that we work with and have been working with for like two, three, four, five years, this is how things started. Discovery phase, something fixed, and then we formed the team and this team started performing and started shipping software. And this is how we usually approach things. This is This is our internal discussion when a new client comes and we start discussing how to how to approach this for us it's best to do everything discovery phase ship something fixed so the client can see that we can actually ship and things are we're good at communicating and things are going well and smooth and then we commit to a longer ongoing relationship where this team has it's fixed per month usually there are like additions in the first six months up to a year to in order to to best figure out uh, how many people we need in order to handle the software and the requirements there. And once we get to around seven, I think we we start splitting teams. Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's not a good idea to have more than six seven people on one team, and we can work with a client form two teams with two separate technical team leads, and just grow like this. Normally, when we are talking about um, projects, ongoing projects with yes. a, with a fixed fee for the team, uh, you just mentioned trust. So we need to establish a good rhythm, a good yes. trust between Hacksoft and the client. And one of the ways we are doing this is with frequent releases. So yep. when we have an ongoing team working on a project, yep. we are aiming to have as frequent releases as possible, yes. because that way the client can 
do demos, can onboard yeah. clients, can get feedback from these clients and decide what to do next. Yes. Which is hugely important when we are speaking for an ongoing development. Yes. There is a result almost, let's say, every week, every couple of days, there is something new mm. or some, some improvements done there on production. So that way the client can assure we have more and more work on the on the backlog. Of course. And you mentioned when we do fix projects, the risk is on us because uh, it's up to us to figure out the scope, the requirements, the complexity according to the price. If we start straight up with like a monthly t a monthly fee for a team, then the risk is on, on the client because this client, if it's a brand new client, still don't know if we are going to work well together, if mm -hmm. we're going to ship and if we're going to deliver. And then that's why we say the risk is more leaning towards the client. But if this client goes through discovery, goes through fixed and then sees that we are good, I think then the, 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 the risk is uh, mitigated because then we can start performing better. I think that's, that's, that's the key thing, at least in my head. Initially, we take on more risk in order to build trust. And once this trust is established, we can start performing. Yep, I can agree. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, like, we do something fixed. It's ready. It's in production. There are end users. There are no new features to be developed. But someone needs to support the system in case something happens. And this is when we do our support engagements. Mm -hmm. which is basically like you have a monthly support retainer, monthly support fee, yeah. and we need to agree on what support means. Like production is down, of course. We, we will do everything that we can to, to, to bring it back, uh, maintaining uh, the versions of all the dependencies that we use. Like something breaks or something is a critical bug, we need to fix it. All of those things usually uh, go under support agreement. And again, when we're doing support, I, th I think the risk is more on our end because there are clients that will do anything to push new features as if this is support or as if this is, this is, a, this is those are uh, bugs and things that need to be fixed. Yeah, so we, we really need to define what support is for the given client uh, just because new features, if there's something really small, probably it can be handled as a support work, like yes. mo moving a button or something like this. If this is something that was never designed to be working like this, probably yeah. it's not supposed to change the way it works because we just designed to change, decide yeah. to change the feature. Uh, and the software is a living thing. Once it's on yes. production, it needs maintenance from time to time. Yes. Either upgrading requirements, fixing like security issues that yes. appear on the libraries that we use, um, uh, supporting even the infrastructure because mm. things get outdated and we need to constantly update them and ensure, exactly. ensure that the software is up and running on production without any critical or security issues. Uh, and it's almost impossible to expect to leave a software on production and never touch it for a couple of years yes. and then just onboard the team and continue working on this. So we need someone to be supporting the living thing in there on yes. the servers. And that's why we have support agreements. And the, all the things that you mentioned are extremely important. And usually clients uh, tend to, sometimes they tend to uh, think, oh, this is ready, this is working good. I don't want to pay... Uh, I don't want to pay anyone anything anymore mm -hmm. related to software. So let's it's it's working. So if it's working, then it's fixed and it's going is going to be working for like forever. Which is with software, this is not the case. And 
uh, as a client, you are taking a lot of risk if you don't follow up with proper support uh, engagement mm -hmm. with whoever build your thing, because then you say, oh, no, I'm not going to pay you. Just everything's fine. I, I know someone who's going to help me. Usually, yes, but most of the times, no. And when things go bad and everything is on fire because there was no one supporting it to catch it in the very first place, you start picking the phone or you start sending emails and then it's going to cost you way, way, way more because you're looking for someone to handle your emergency and this someone, be it ourselves or someone else, is going to handle the emergency at the appropriate price. So this is what we try to communicate to clients. It's important to have some kind of a support engagement in place just as a like a precaution. Like, um, What's the English word for Zastrachovka? Uh, insurance just for insurance that you won't be in a situation where you have to pay quite a lot of money for your thing to get fixed because you skipped maintenance and support yeah and if no one is supporting your project for for a long time it gets worse and worse in terms yeah. of fixing it after this because already all your libraries are outdated you you have to upgrade them like all at once and you don't split the risk Already, let's say your uh, Postgres needs to be um, upgraded because uh, yes. the end of life of the end of life support of the server is is coming, and you need to do something. If you don't do anything, I guess your service provider is going to upgrade it for you, and then your situation okay, it's already upgraded. We don't have the trial period, and now let's see if some if things are still working. Yeah, which again is problematic. Yeah, and yeah, and I think that's about it. Those are those are the ways that we work, and so far I think they're working pretty well for us. And it took us a while to get here, like to figure out the monthly team fee, the fixed, the fixed price, the discovery phase, the support retainers. Because as a, as a company that does end-to-end -end software development, by default, everyone thinks that we bill by the hour, the so-called hourly billing. And this is when, whenever we talk with new clients, the question that we always uh, get asked uh, in, in first meetings is, what is your rate card like yes. send me a table where you have like a position and how much this position costs by the hour and we of course in the beginning we were working just like that by the hour it's an industry standard yeah it's like it's the expected thing in the industry it's industry standard and at some point we decided this is not working well for us this is not working well for the client so let's just drop this I still don't really understand why clients are aiming to work like this. Because when you're working on hourly billing with someone, you get all the risk. These guys, you're, yes. you're, paying, them, you're paying them hourly, but you still get all the risk for you because they may be really slow. They may be like sick for two months or something. And at the end of the day, you don't have a product, but you paid some money to, to yes. this partner. And you're again taking all the risk and you don't have any visibility of what the end uh, amount of money is going to be, what yes. the end cost is going to be for this project, which is a huge question for me. Why are clients asking for hourly rates? I, I think it's because first because it's industry standard and second because most of the clients are uh, doing some kind of window shopping and they, so the client wants to know how much this is going to cost. But hourly billing doesn't answer this question. Yeah, but hourly billing is uh, easily inputted in a spreadsheet 
uh, multiplied by eight by 20 or by whatever number and like there are some because the clients usually ask for a rate card and then they ask you for an estimate which is okay. important thing to to also discuss and given those two things whenever you give an estimate like this is the golden rule you give an estimate a ballpark but whatever you give the client for the client is the final, very <laughs> final thing, the very final price. Whenever they hear a price, this is like that's anchored. Final. Yeah. That's final. And it's, that's why it's very important not to give any estimates, especially in the very beginning. It's like, well, no, 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 no. Let's let's talk. Let's do discovery. If I don't know, we're, we're not there yet. And that's why clients are asking because they want estimate. They want the rate because they want to input it in a spreadsheet and get a final price. They are doing this because they think they know they can derive the final price based on those inputs because they think whenever you ask a software developer or a software development company for an estimate, they think that we can actually give this estimate and this estimate is going to be correct. Most of the times it's just wrong guessing. Mm -hmm. And for example, we, we don't give estimates almost like... In very rare cases, we will give an estimate. And we don't give estimates because we don't want to lie to our clients. And this is what we this is what we tell them. I don't want to lie to you. I cannot give you an estimate. This is like you're asking me how long it's going to take something that you've just described in three paragraphs. Okay. And I usually say it can take a month. It can take like a week, like something very, very simple. It can take two years. <laughs> It really depends. It really depends, yeah. And that's why clients are asking for, for hourly billing because they think they can derive the final price based on that. Okay, and it's easier to compare different providers, different exactly dif different companies based on the numbers. Exactly, and it's easier to negotiate this price down, which leads to like the second biggest problem that we had with hourly billing is first we, we were working on with like extremely cheap, for the value that we were providing. Yes. And once you have established a certain price, it's really hard to raise that price. It's really, really hard. Uh, like the, the client has all the negotiating power. And the problem, the, the, the other problem that we had is you have to make your developers track time. That's always an issue, yeah. And not only I have worked today, like eight hours, but... Uh, Please tell me the separate work items, uh, break it down by... Track them in Jira, yeah, yeah, yeah. log your work in different tickets or something. Which is an overhead, which takes from the energy that this particular person can use towards software development. Sure. And opens up the endless possibility of negotiation at the end of the month where the client asks, oh, why this uh, has taken you so long? Uh, I'm not going to pay you. Like, this is... And we've had like bad clients like this. We've had such talks and discussions, and this is just an extreme overhead where trust is not there. But and even if trust is there, w w at the very moment you break something down to the client, they will start negotiating because they want to do business. They will start negotiating sure. about those prices. So so you want to reduce this risk. And uh, and finally, we're not selling time like. We're not doing hourly. We stopped doing hourly. This was the best business de decision for Hacksoft. I think this enabled us to start growing, to be honest. I can agree. To be honest, on, on the business side of yes. things. The, whenever you work and charge by the hour, the incentive is wrong. 
because we charge by the hour and Absolutely. we're just going to take way more time than needed because this is the incentive if we want to grow our business and we are negotiating on price and this price is not like the client is not willing to pay more then what we are left with is the incentive of taking more time which we don't want to do because we want to be actually shipping everything every week yeah. uh, something every week mm -hmm. and because of those things we decided to drop it it was a hard it was a hard sale with uh, all of our clients uh, a lot of negotiations a lot of talks but i think it's now better we are now pricing based on the value that we provide and the more value we provide of course the more we're going to price it and we now have the incentive to to become better uh, because we're not charged by the hour so we need to be better at our job better at our work ship more communicate better with the client figure things out better and i think it's it's a win-win scenario if there is if there is a significant amount of trust between you and the client uh, and you receive your, your invoice with your time report, if you're not a technical person, you'll be like, why does it take so long? It looks like just moving yes. a button around. But the thing is that you need to track your time really carefully if you're working on hourly basics. Yeah. And this conversation, hey, why is this taking you so long to do, is, is a horrible conversation because you need to yeah. dig into the technical uh, details of, oh, we needed to create new APIs and then re-implement the old flow because it's covering some other flows and so on and so forth. That's why it takes two days instead of two minutes. Yeah. And it's always a nightmare for having such such conversations. Yeah, and it it's it changes the conversation, and the wrong incentives. Like the client tends to start micromanaging, and this is something that we do not tolerate at all. If someone tries to micromanage us, we just no, don't do it. Um, and that's why we. So I think we can we can do like a final overview. I think we've covered enough in this episode. That's why we came to the conclusion that we need to have either something fixed or a team working with a monthly fee on ongoing basis. And it's best combined with discovery phase, then doing something fixed, then figuring out this is at least two years uh, long project, then forming a team and starting to perform better and ship, uh, ship, more, ship more things to production. And Whenever we are done with our work, follow up with a support engagement. I think this works really well for us. And it also works really well for the client because they get more predictability and they get better teams that have the incentive to become better. And I think that's why we are here right now. I think we covered it all. Yeah. Uh, what's the time, Teddy? 30 minutes. 30 minutes again. All right. 1,000 subscribers. We are still looking for them. We are investing quite a lot in YouTube. I hope you like the content that we're producing. This was Hackcast, season three, episode number two. We talked about money. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And see you next time. Like and subscribe. Yeah.